0: This is Tell Me What to Read, brought to you by Booktopia. We're here as your weekly audiobook club in your ears, giving you the lowdown on the next top books you don't want to miss out on. I'm your host, Ben Hunter, and I'm recording this where I live and work on unceded Wongal country. Pay respects to Elders past, present, and extend that respect to any First Nations listeners who are with us today. And today we're going to be giving you a sneak peek uh, behind some very exciting new releases. We're going to be talking about an Australian idol. We're going to be talking about epic fantasy. And if there's time, we might be talking about some epic thriller. Um, With me to navigate you, uh, I have Jess, the book dragon Paul, and Shanu, who, as we've discussed, needs no last name. She's like... Shia sure, or Beyonce or uh, Madonna.
1: Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what everyone says about me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, welcome, guys. Uh, Jess, I'm gonna kick up with you because uh, you've had your nose in some very big books by one Samantha Shannon. Can you enlighten me?
1: Um, yes. So. Samantha Shannon has written a few series, but um, the one that has uh, captured my heart is probably The Priory of the Orange Tree, which uh, The Priory of the Orange Tree was released a couple of years ago, and very recently, um, about four weeks ago, the sequel prequel, A Day of Fallen Night, was released. Sequel prequel, I hear you ask. Yes. Um. A sequel prequel is a book that is written after the original book, but set before the original book. So it is set a few hundred years before Priory of the Orange Tree um, and has all of the amazing things that Priory of the Orange Tree had in it. It is set in the Queendom of Innes and, um, and lots of other areas. Um, And it contains dragons and worms and fruit that gives you magic and um, all sorts of other amazing things. Um, I think one of the things that I loved about it was just how detailed the world building was. Um, And and what is different about A Day of Fallen Night is that actually the intricacy of that world building deepens even further which considering it is set after, uh, set before A Prior of the Orange Tree actually makes it a really great first read as well. So it doesn't really matter which order you read the books in. Um, but the world building in A Day of Fallen Night is a beautiful example of how to build a really intricate um, world with lots of politics and lots of different um areas of this you know strange earth with um, lots of different people in it and how then those stories kind of come and tie together um Mm. and what is really great about reading the two books is that um you see the ancestry as well um and there's this sort of foreboding that happens and there's this like really big I can't really say too much about Spoiling the storyline, um, but you discover something in *Priory of the Orange Tree*, which really changes how you view um, the religion of one of the books uh, of um, *Priory of the Orange Tree* and and where it's come from. So then, to read *A Fallen*, *A Day of Fallen Night* with that knowledge, it just makes the whole the the characters and what they experience and the decisions they make so bittersweet and at some points you just want to grab them by the shoulders and be like no it's futile don't do it um but yeah so I loved it and um they're, yeah they're both like 900 paper 900 page books so
0: just a casual 900 pages yeah but so, so you want
1: know, a game, really big cup of tea
0: any book that makes you want to grab someone by the shoulders I, I feel like is a winner um, but I want to drill down into that concept of world building for a second because it's something we talk about a lot in the the realms of speculative fiction sci-fi fantasy mm. etc um but what does it mean when it's done well for you as a reader like what, when okay. you say world, book, world building's really good in this book what, what is what is, what is um, the special source of that
1: um for me it's all about how i feel so when i read a fantasy book I don't want it to feel realistic. In fact, it's supposed to be unrealistic. It's supposed to be escapist, but it's supposed to feel believable. I'm supposed to be so sucked into the world that I do not question the fact that there are dragons and that the dragons without wings are called worms or the other way around. And I don't question the fact that if I eat from the orange tree, I'm going to have powers. Like for me, that is so believable because I... Um, I'm there, like I'm I'm there on the page with every word that is written. I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, so for me, I think that is what great world building belief it re- really is. There are some fantasy books that I have read by really prominent authors where the first two hundred pages, I'm like. What I don't I don't understand. Is there a glossary? Does this come with a manual? Like, how when do I work out what's actually happening in this book? And I think that one of the things that makes Samantha Shannon such an artist is the fact from 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 the very first sentence, I'm like I understand. I, I can picture myself in this world, um, and and I think that for me makes a true, fantastic fantasy book.
0: Um. Um, do you have favourites in the the fantasy canon and, and where does this sit among them?
1: Oh, God, that's a really great question. Okay, so, um, but bear with me on this one. But mm-hmm. I would say that The Day of Fallen Night and Priority Orange Tree gives me a kind of Tolkien feel, but it's queer and there are lots of women, and they're just busy slaying. So, uh, like, do, do, you, do you follow me?
0: I follow. Well, that's all you need to say. <laughs> that's that's amazing. That could be no better pitch for any book ever. Well done. You've, you've nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, uh, thank you. That's – I have to read these books now. That, I'm done. That's,
1: Can that's I good. just – yeah, can I just be really a pain and just mention a book that we weren't going to talk about today but just I'm just going to take this opportunity because it's me and this is what I always do and also Jess is here right now to talk about um, a book that I think you got to meet the author, right, Jess? I, I know I did uh, last Oh, I exactly you're what you're about mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. Just when you're talking about uh, amazing world building, um, yes. that's is unreal but also feels 100% of course this is what's going to happen um I'm obviously talking about the one and only amazing Garth Nix and his yeah. uh brand new book uh, The Sinister Booksellers of Bath yeah which Again, is brilliant brilliant world building yeah and and I think that when you were describing um uh describing the last book I'm like that is kind of reminding me of how I feel when I read one of Garth Nick's books, and I think this one, *The Sinister Booksellers of Bath*, which is the follow-up to *The Left-Handed Booksellers of London*, um, yes. which I didn't think could have have a better like, could, there could be a better title for a book, and then he came up with this like title for the sequel. Um, gives me those same those same feels, and even though it's technically sort of fits under YA, he has written that for every person. So I think if you want um, a shorter read in terms of length of length of book, but not in terms yeah. of. Scope of story, then, yes. um, then that is that is one that I think would I think people would also really enjoy. Do you not agree? Yeah, yet? yeah, definitely. And as you said, it's it's written for a slightly younger audience, um, but also has this very unrealistic but totally believable world, which is you know what makes makes it such a brilliant book. Um, it's set in the eighties, which I think. Yeah, 19, sorry, 1980s. Yeah. Yes, good. Um, <laughs> 1980s, um, which I think if you're an adult reading it to a child it, or, or just reading it as an adult because you enjoy a children's book, which is okay, by the way, we should we should be doing that more. Um, it's so nostalgic and it's so beautiful. And I just love this idea that Um, behind every bookstore there are left-handed or right-handed booksellers and the left-handed are the fighting ones the right the right-handed are the academic ones and every so often there is a rare even-handed bookseller that is both fighting and academic Um, yeah and I just love this idea that every time you go into a bookshop you don't know whether the booksellers behind the um, cash desk are um, what they seem to be
0: I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could imagine nothing more fun. That sounds brilliant. Um, uh, now, I promised um, that I would do some learning this episode, and and, and have Shanu explain to me the wonders of Anthony Kalea because I know nothing. I know so little about this man. He was on Australian Idol, and now he's famous. But he's got a book. Uh so, so explain.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, honestly, Ben, I don't know what else needs what what else you need explaining. Okay. <laughs> is, is like, he, he is like every Nonna's favorite grandson that's not actually hers. He's like every um what every uh you know uh woman would love to be like the best friend would be Anthony Kalea, And um every guy, if they've seen the cover of this book my lord would we just want to be him um he is just uh he he was one of those um when Australian Idol was like the first iteration when it got really really big um and people that didn't win were just as important as the people that did actually win the season you know so he didn't actually win his season although if you ask anyone now 20 years on they probably would have gone "Oh yeah, of course Anthony Kalea won just because he is so well well known now.
0: Yeah, I probably wouldn't recognize the person that won uh, if he if he didn't win. That's wild. He, yeah. I'm just I'm on Google Images. He's got a lot of haircuts.
1: Yeah, and he's had an, he's had well not long with a lot of haircuts. He's had like an amazing an amazing career. He has done so many. He has recorded so many albums. He sings in Italian and in English. He's um he's met so many famous people. And um, what's really incredible though is that um, through all of that, it's all his whole life is about family. And so this, this, um this autobiography is really is a really uh touching one because he really talks about the love of his family and his nonna and his parents and um now his husband who wrote the foreword um for the book which is just so sweet and what a what a romance um and so and and so it's one of those great um autobiographies where you like like amy was talking about in the first episode why celeb autobiographies are so interesting is you get to kind of peek behind the the scenes of somewhere where you don't You know, of of areas that you don't usually, but you also get the real true story of what goes on behind the really happy, smiling facade of someone that you that you, you know, that you see for so many years. Um, And so he really digs deep in this um, in this autobiography to to really explain to you what it was like growing up and growing up gay and not being able to sort of tell anyone um and, and that coming out process um, but also to where he is now and I think what's great about this is it's such like an uplifting and wonderful um wonderful autobiography where you just feel you feel really good while you're reading it and you feel you feel the love that he feels for life and for um and for music and singing and how right from an early age when he was like a little little child that's what all he wanted to do was was to be a singer and he's got just such a great voice so there's I'm not gonna, you know, I mean it's out now, but I'm not gonna and we have signed copies, which is very, very exciting and mm. very, very limited. So um hopefully you're not reading the you're not listening really, you're not listening to this weeks after we put it out because they will be sold out by then. <laughs> but um if you're listening to this one has just been released and you still be able to get one. Um but there's a there's just one little funny story where he's talking about he does a, a signing at High Point Shopping Center, um, just after Australian Idol has been really has has like has come out. And so he's like He's, there's there's people, there's thousands and thousands of people. there. He's there for four hours signing CDs for every, he didn't want to disappoint one single person. And uh, right at the end of the time, he's fatigued, he's exhausted. He's he's tried to like take photos and have a chat with every single person that's come through, make it personal. So he's signing a CD and her name was Virginia. And I think you can imagine if that's not the name that he actually, that's not the word that he actually wrote when he oh. actually, oh, yeah. Yeah, and so hopefully, to this day, twenty years on, she might have a very interestingly oh, addressed works. CD to her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, and I laughed out loud when I read that because I can just, you can just imagine, and it would, yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. an unfortunate stunt. <laughs> <say. laughs> yeah, or you know, or a great story for her to dine out on for years to come. Yes, so, yeah. you know, who knows? Um, so that just gives you a little, a little glimpse. And so, um, again, like I said, like I'm so excited because the, you know, with I always. I can't help but have my bookseller hat on. So with Mother's Day coming up, all I can think of is like, which books are going to be like great presents for people? And this one I think is one of those ones that you might, um, you definitely buy as a present for someone else and buy as a present for yourself. And I can only imagine like, as Amy was talking about on, the, on our first episode, about how great it is to listen to the audiobook as well as being able to actually read, like read a physical copy of it, is that in the audio book, being able to hear him in his own words, talk about his own life. Um, just gives you that something really special that you you don't you don't always get. So um, I'm really I'm really excited that we're um, that we're that we're getting this we're getting this book and this book is um, out now for everyone to enjoy.
0: Brilliant pitch. Um, and yeah, what a what a snazzy! Me- I'm going to get off Google Images because it's just thing uh, at this <laughs> stage. It's he's he's uh, got a lot going on. A lot of fashion. A lot of hair. Yeah. And I imagine it's got a voice to match. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm going to cap this off with uh, a total, <laughs> a totally different vibe, and that is blisteringly breakneck speed thrillers. Uh, and the best person to deliver them is a little author called Candice Fox. Uh, she's a genius I can't I can't stress this enough um uh you might know James Patterson uh American author the biggest thriller writer in history apparently sold tens maybe hundreds of millions of books worldwide he gets Candace to write books for him (laughs) it's like a collaborator his army of collaborators uh and she does it best uh like when, when we have James Patterson books on our website, they sell okay. When we have a James Patterson book that is authored by Candace Fox, then it like is fire. And um, she's just coming into her own as an author in her own right um, in recent years. And my God, man, like her uh, books just, just get better and better. So the last one was about a massive like prison outbreak and it was just so violent and scary and, um, exciting all at once. And that has incredible female characters. Uh, this new one, uh, is about Santa Monica beach, a dead body, uh, mother daughter, um, thing hostages are taken a massive ultimatum, 24 hours gang known as the death machines. Are you getting the vibe guys? Like, Oh man, she can just, it's like almost made for TV. It's um it's so and I mean that in the best possible sense. Candace Fox can write. And if you don't follow Candace Fox, I suggest that you do because not only can she tell the most ripping yarns, her life is just full of the most ripping yarns. She's fresh from she's like she is she's from Bankstown. Her mom is like the biggest character you'll ever like hear about. Um, and like her house she'll describe. I've had signings with Candice Fox and she'll just describe going into her mother's house and like all the things inside it, but also Candace Fox's own life, her like being a mom, but also like rescuing animals constantly. It's just, it's just the most addictive divine thing in history. Um, and there could be no stronger character in the Australian crime writing community than Candace Fox. And yet yeah, the new book is called Fire With Fire. Uh, and it is all about the LAPD and it is freaking crazy man uh, I can't stress it enough so get your eyeballs onto it. She's uh, such a,
1: good, a great success story for like Australian authors doing awesome blockbuster blockbuster things and she just keeps getting better and better.
0: Yeah and making
1: it in America
0: that's that's not an easy thing.
1: for easy. An Aussie nope. author. Nope her last book was just bonkers with the escaped prisoners and Yeah, it was a lot. So I'm looking forward to this next one.
0: Yeah, the strapline calls it Australia's crime queen. I'm here for that. I'm I'm here for that strapline. But that's all we have time for on this episode of Tell Me What to Read. Jess, Cheneau, thank you for being um, part of the collective book Hive Mind, Brain today.
1: Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> Please come on it again. Um, uh, there'll be information about all of the books we talk about in the uh, notes for this episode, but as well as on our brilliant website, Go check it out. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast if this is your jam. Um, share it, uh, tell your friends about it, leave us a review. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. Happy reading.